Plaid lads, Plaid lads, we are the Plaid lads, and Frank got married. did I get married ladies and gentlemen uh, and uh, discovered what sex was <laughs> I um, I ju- that explains the very loosely tied bathroom <laughs> and cocoa oil everywhere I uh, also uh, uh, cut off part of my fingernail with one of Tom Donahue's wedding presents yeah just tonight because Tom Donahue, a uh, great friend that he is, uh, knows that I'm a big fan of the program Forged in Fire, in which uh, a bunch of fat men with uh, beards and probably sleep apnea uh, make knives and swords of various extractions. Uh, and this particular program has a branded kitchen knife. That Tom got me as a wedding present. I told you to be very careful with that, Frank, or else. <laughs> I, I guess I didn't listen. Um, Justin has also disappointed me greatly by not getting a lightsaber while he was in Disney World, which is like the only hey. thing that I, I told him he should get. Hey, I made my choices and I stick by them. <laughs> We're not going to talk about the choice he did make of things to buy. Uh, well, you might, you might, you might discover the choice if you wander the New Jersey Pine Barrens. And, and you will, spot. you will see a lone ghost, uh, as if emerging from a bamboo thicket. <laughs> all, all I'll say is I am a huge fan of Ghosts of Tsushima, which may have led to some of my choices. Did, oh, man. did you, did you play that game with the black and white mode? No, I didn't. I tried it, and I tried it with uh, the... Um, it's Kurosawa uh, mode. I'm sorry. That's such a stupid thing for a video game. Yeah, but it's... We'll, 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 we'll get, get to Scully, that. Justin. Will we? We'll get do, to Do that. you find old abandoned railroad tracks in the Pine Barrens and pretend like you're building the American West? <laughs> Uh, does an old-timey uh, saloon owner uh, offer you to feed his, like, dead bodies to your pigs? Tell us what you bought. Jesus Christ. So Justin Are, bought we're, his... We're, we're dancing around. <laughs> we're dancing around what Justin bought. Um... Justin, you I bought a hat. What, what kind? I of bought hat? a fucking hat. No. So fucking sue me. But it's the. There were other people walking around with a hat. Is it morally wrong for me to wear this hat? I mean, maybe. Potentially. Potentially. <laughs> oh god. Oh boy. Oh god. It's potentially morally. It's a moral like not so much gray area. It's gray trending into black. <laughs> Is is the issue. And this is this is what Justin was doing in lieu of witnessing the <laughs> joyous <laughs> occasion of the, I uh I have the regrets. <laughs> <laughs> let, let me tell you Justin, will it give you regrets if I told you that Tom Donahue was a dancing fool? 
I He's dancing heard. machine. As was uh, Lindsay and Lindsay's boyfriend, <laughs> yeah. whose name I don't remember. Yeah, they were tearing it up. I loved it. I, I got to go around and people were like, how do you know the couple? I'm like, well, I have a podcast with Frank. And they're like, a podcast? Tell me more. They had no idea. We're, we're Frank's dirty little secret. <laughs> In his, his, his high society Cherry Hill mainline crowd were, were his... <laughs> Where his little side pieces, Justin. <laughs> you're, oh. you're his little Shanghai surprise. <laughs> now I feel dirty, Tom. Now, I, now you've done it. When you put the two words together, that's when it becomes like a shame thing. When when I have to conceive of Justin as the Shanghai surprise. This is where we've crossed over from the gray area. The gray area is gone now. I don't know how that makes you feel about your purchase, Justin. What? I bought a Homer Simpson hat in Simpsons Land at Universal Studios. That's Homer not Simpson is not of a. That's all it is. Homer Simpson is not of a, a particular ethnic background, though. <laughs> it's what I'll say to that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Hey, you got married. <laughs> That's cool. Don't change yeah. the subject. <laughs> yeah. Way to talk, Frank. Now you have uh, somebody who'll tell you not to buy hats like that. <laughs> now I have very sp- uh, expensive legal obligations if I decide to leave the relationship. <laughs> Why the fuck would you say Yeah, especially because you are definitely <laughs> not the one who's going to be deciding to leave shit. <laughs> You are definitely the reacher in this situation, Frank. Yes, correct. Correct. Uh, Might I just say, might I just say, beautiful ceremony, lovely time had by all. Uh, Lots of lots of kinks, lots of kinks songs. Lots of kinks songs. Their first dance was to uh, "This Must Be the Place" by Talking Talking Heads, Heads, which was correct. Beautiful. Uh, uh, Alex came down the aisle to shelter from the storm, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, she did. Yeah, which is just from the storm. goddamn gorgeous. And uh, her vows were uh, a tearjerker. Uh, Better than my vows. Everybody said it. Yeah, I said it to everyone who would listen. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. How about them vows? Hers were better. My 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 brother-in-law told the entire wedding party a story about me uh, in his best man speech that I would have preferred to have not been in the best man speech. But uh, oh oh, why are you, are you trying to team me up right here, Frank Dog? Uh, my my. Oh uh, no, you don't remember the best man speech, huh? Cocktail addled. No, I remember it. I, it was about the bachelor yeah. party. Yeah, yeah, the bachelor party went south. I uh, I uh, I took a little spill on my way to the club. And uh, ended up in the hospital for the rest of the night. It wasn't great. (laughs) It was a bad time. I was in the hospital by like 9 o'clock. Yeah, Justin, you would have heard the story firsthand if you had been there. (laughs) Oh, fuck. 
Oh, anyway, but we have a podcast that we haven't done in a couple of months because I got married. <laughs> like, so the substance of why this hasn't happened is I got married. But a bo- yeah, and I've been, I've been cursing Alex this whole time. <laughs> Alex, why must you take my little baby boy away from me? We have to fucking talk about money. <laughs> well, we, there are a couple of things we have to talk about that have happened since the last time we did one of these things. Uh, mm-hmm. Such as there was a, a before we get to the, the main substance, the meat on the bone of this podcast, if you will. There was like a little trailer for something that came out uh, a couple of weeks after the last time we did one of these things. And it involved these two fictional characters that uh, everyone on this podcast, the three of us, uh, hold very dear. And, you know, we covered the show in its first season uh, uh, when it aired Picard, the Star Trek Picard show. If you didn't know, we have a whole different podcast uh, called Haha ha Engage, a Star Trek Picard podcast, which we're going to have uh, to do when uh, this particular show comes back. Because as the trailer uh, indicates, season two of Picard has the return of the great John Delancey as Q. And I think the trailer went a little something like this. Hello, Picard. Listen, listen, Frank. That that are you ha- excited? Are you excited to have me back, Picard? <laughs> that uh, did- you know, Q. The last time, since the last time you saw me in like 1997, I uh, <laughs> I I become a robot. I'm in a robot body now. Beep boop beep boop. But uh, you know, the last Star Trek: The Next Generation uh, episode came out in like 1997 or 1998. And a couple of years later, I was in 1994, 
or you'll be leaving with a fat lip. It's all about the he says, she says bullshit. I think you better quit talking that shit. It's just one of those days. Feeling like a freight train, first one to complain, leaves with a blood stain. Damn right I'm a maniac. You better watch your back, because I'm fucking up your program. <laughs> and then you're stuck up. You just lucked you're up. You're reading off, Next off line your phone. To get <laughs> your eyes are just deadly <laughs> scanning your phone screen. <laughs> you're just reciting this like <laughs> we're your parents and we asked you to at our dinner party. <laughs> I, I need to say two things. Yes. One, Frank, from from the bottom of my my soul, I want you to know I don't get that bit. <laughs> I don't un- I don't understand it. It's because Star Trek takes place in a time period wherein music from the nineties is technically classical music, according to the films of J.J. Abrams. <laughs> I also want to say to the people out there, though, that Frank is so happy when he's doing it. So, so I think we should all be happy for him. Yes. I, I didn't even get to get through the whole song, but uh, ladies and gentlemen, that was. <laughs> oh, oh, we are so sorry. We're so fucking sorry you didn't get through the entire fucking song. That was if you if you didn't know. <laughs> and you have not uh, watched Woodstock, Woodstock 99 on HBO Max. That was uh, uh, the classic Break Stuff by Limp Bizkit. Oh, is that what that was? I thought it was Lord Byron. Uh. <laughs> also one of the great poets of the 20th century. Not, not the 20th century, like the 19th, but whatever. Okay. Okay. Any, any hoozle. <laughs> The other thing that about this episode is that as a re- wedding present, I requested that we do this thing, which is this particular movie, which I actually thought Justin was going to hate the most, but that appears not to be the case. Not at all. Because what's happening, folks? Well, wait. Ugh. What's that sound? Uh, yeah, what's... Ha ha! <laughs> On this episode of the pod, Frank got to pick everything. We're doing this in part as a gift. I gave Frank that sharp Mm -hmm. knife, but I also gave him a special glove. To wear when he's using the said knife that he opted not to wear, mm-hmm. and that's why his little fingy has been cut off. Uh, and he's that is entirely be, correct, actually. He's gonna be little nine. <laughs> he, he gave me the knife and a handguard, <laughs> and I did not use the handguard. <laughs> Therefore, did you did you enjoy the poem I included with the knife, Frank? There was a poem. Oh god. <laughs> yeah. Don't sweat it. <laughs> You're grand. <laughs> I missed. I missed the poem. Oh man, you, I'm sorry. You were so excited. You you tore into the box, uh, 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 throwing its contents asunder. Uh, so anyway, on this very special episode of Plaid Lads, hi, my wife just scattered through the background. <laughs> I, I Justin saw. says hi. Hi. 
Congratulations. Yeah, he, Justin says congratulations. Thank you. I'm a domesticated Ask her. We're, we're cl- oh. As, if you notice, she's the one who's cleaning and preparing for our imminent move, and I'm talking to my two friends about Money Plane on a on a show. We're unhappily married. Yeah. I made a horrible choice. <laughs> um. Anyways, folks, uh, what movie are we talking about this week? This week. You a gambling man, Jack? Not anymore. Once a gambling man, always a gambling man. Let's go, let's go! You bet everything you have. Toss up a coin. One side. You, your family, live the life they always dreamed of. On the other side, you lose everything. You owed a lot of money to some very bad people. So I bought your debt. Now you're going to have to repay me that debt. Can we just get to the job? legend in the underworld. To those who know, it's the money plane. A bulletproof casino in the sky, untouchable by any government agency. Whatever you want to wager on, the money plane has you covered. Russian debt. Or it is they carry up to a billion on board in crypto and millions in cash. I want you and your crew to take down the house. That's insane. Yeah. Heck, might even be a good time. Now, without further ado, sit back, relax, and prepare for takeoff. We have control of the cockpit. Who's next? Yeah. You're dead! Your families are all dead! You, your crew, and everyone you ever met! Dead! By the time you touch down! Now bring me my money! We're watching 2020's Money Plane. We've said it 40 times. <laughs> Did we say money plane 40 times? I don't, I can't recall already. Just like the movie, which I appreciate. <laughs> does, the movie does say money plane a lot. It says money plane if enough gonna, times that the the two words money and plane have no meaning after a certain point. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and it's, if you're going to call a movie money plane, you better fucking say it every five seconds. They say it a lot. In its 82-minute runtime, this film does say the words. 82 minutes? It's 82 minutes long. It's like it's like a home That's movie. That's like 16 quibbies. That's like... It's like... it's. This is barely a, a movie. Like, it barely... Barely qualifies as a motion picture. It's, it's, it's only loved it, the experience of watching this film. <laughs> it was it was a great time. It was a highlight yeah. of my day. Uh, I don't even know what do we no. normally do right now. <laughs> it was just crazy. so I I going into it and watching it. I had a theory on who made it. Uh-huh. 
uh, which which I um, was partially correct, partially not, but it made my enjoyment of the film uh, that much greater. I had assumed uh, one. I had assumed that the man on the ground, that actor, was the writer director. He was. And, I thought, and he was. I thought yeah, he was. He was. I, they went down to uh, that theater in Hollywood, and they found the uh, Brendan Fraser uh, impersonator. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's funny. He does look a lot like Brendan Fraser, but when we say who yeah. he's going to be, it's kind of like the general vibe. It's like it's that same time period, but it's not Brendan Fraser. Yeah. Um. Um. It, what it really felt like, and I think this is true is that somebody on this production is living their dream right now. And everybody else is struggling through that person's dream. And it really made me feel joy. Wow. Okay. Because, because <laughs> and half of the cast of this film are, um, bad UCB sketch uh, comedy people. Oh, 100%. 100%. And the other half are uh, faded 90s stars. Yes, yes. This is a movie that I, I, my wife and I watched it together uh, in anticipation of recording this episode and I turned to her literally less than five minutes in because you know from frame one what this oh, yeah. what this movie is <laughs> oh that opening that scene. opening scene i paused it literally like a minute and a half in you pause it because you see the production values you see yes. what's going on here with this movie and i turned to her and i said this is a movie and like looking at some of the people in the cast you say this is a movie made due to Money laundering and also real estate debt. <laughs> yes, yes. Because that was my first thought. The mo- money is being laundered into the production of this film, and also the salaries for this film are paying off the real estate debt of like th- three people: of <laughs> Kelsey Grammer and Thomas Jane and Adam Edge Copeland, because they bought a few too many houses, and they really need the money. Speaking of real estate debt, Kelsey Grammer is now to the point where he's doing reverse mortgage commercials. So that lets you know where is he's he at. really? He is, and he's doing wow. them. He's doing them with a conservative uh, spin. You know, when he does them like uh, as per usual, I guess. As per usual with that guy. Uh, yeah, th- he's speaking uh, of uh, Steve Coogan uh, with the whole passion project angle. It really reminds me of like in Hamlet two. Mm. Yes! Wow! Uh, that's a that's a yeah. blast from the past. Imagine yeah. that with like a sub CBS crime procedural uh, type budget. <laughs> so much lower yeah. than that too. Like, which is when you get lower than that budget, you're. Where did this money come? From? This reminded me also of like Eagle Heart. Uh, the 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 one hundred percent. Eagle Heart had way better, like, because Eagle Heart is intentional, right? Like, Eagle Heart looks yeah. like that for a reason. Uh, this was like this, like you said, Tom. The same production values, the same lighting that like Tim and er- like a Tim Heidecker thing would mm. use to make something look cheap and sleazy and like off market. This was occurring intentionally because. I thought- I thought irony 
had taken over the world. I thought the entire 20th century could only be experienced ironically. But like when those mm-hmm. fucking like like action tom rolls coming down the drum machine and the action sequences started happening, I'm like, "Oh, they mean it." Oh, this is mm-hmm. <laughs> my my theory is um and, and I find this sadder is that I think they were trying to be ironic but they failed terribly we'll we'll get to it there are a couple of scenes there are a couple of tee off scenes for me but like to segue into that because there's one scene that kind of like made me think like oh this is like Birdemic or this is like Sharknado or something where like or like it's the room was not intentional but the room has like that same Mm -hmm. element to it but this is more like a Sharknado type deal, is because this movie is written and directed by uh, a man named... So I'm... Which of the brothers is is Andrew Lawrence? I think it's Andrew Uh, Lawrence. He was the... So if everyone remembers the Lawrence brothers from the 90s, they were the three brothers who had their own sitcom uh, together. Andrew, Joey... And Joey was the oldest one, who was also in all three Lawrence brothers during this movie, by the way. Uh, and Matthew, Matthew Lawrence. Uh, Matthew Lawrence, probably best known to people from being Sean's brother on Boy Meets World. Yeah, there he, he is. He's the he's the cowboy in this movie. Oh, is, shit. Is two and two <laughs> is two and two coming together for you now. <laughs> Okay, all right, full disclosure, when you told me before we started recording that it was the Lawrence Brothers, I thought you were referencing Martin Lawrence. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. I'm talking about, if you remember the Lawrence Brothers from the 90s, Joey Lawrence, he had a show called, uh, Jesus, what was it called? Melissa and Joey. Uh, He was also a man named Joey on Blossom. Uh, Mm -hmm. Whoa. He was on a, a TV sitcom with his brothers called Brotherly Love, where I bet he also he also played a character named Joey on that. Uh, they had that classic uh, 80s movie Summer Rental, the John Candy movie together. So these were like they were doing real well up to like 1999. And then times got tough for the Lawrence brothers. But so Andrew Lawrence, the youngest, the guy who played the baby on their sitcom Brotherly Love, uh, wrote and directed this movie, and he, as Justin said, is like, he's in it for two seconds. Yeah. He, you knew it was he was the writer-director because he had his own set piece that he was he not interacting with of, anybody else. He where gives, he's in a gravel pit. He's in a quarry. <laughs> doing, like doing it's Doctor Who stuff? in the 1970s. <laughs> because that's how you know where the budget is. Yeah. Let's go to the beginning, because we have to actually set up some of this plot. The movie... The beginning. <laughs> the beginning where a group of incompetent criminals... <laughs> And to be clear, fuck their way around uh, the okay, the edge. Yes. Okay. This entire, no, 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 just Edge. His, his name is just Edge. The Edge is the guitarist edge. for you too. His name the in the WWE yes. is just Edge. <laughs> so, um, they're a uh, elite group of uh, criminals <laughs> going undercover, and and the uh, and Edge's eyes the entire time. He's doing some really decent wrestling acting. <laughs> yes. He's a, he, to be clear, he is a very good professional wrestler. 
Yes. He is good at being a wrestler. Yes. And he had a very um um awkward charm that I really enjoyed watching him that does not work for anything. No. I just felt bad for him and also proud of him. Yes. For giving it a shot. For trying his very best. Correct. His best Wasn't was his not good gimmick enough. just <laughs> was his gimmick just that he jumped off things in wrestling. I don't well, remember. Well, they had the he was in a tag team if you remember with Christian. Yeah, I, I thought his, their whole I thought his gimmick would be that he just always had a boner. <laughs> well, so funny enough, funny enough, Tom. Funny enough, Tom. That kind of become does that kind of does become his gimmick later. Uh, he starts out as a, he actually started out as a vampire in the brood with Gangrel, if you remember that, Justin. They were in the Ministry of Darkness, and then he's he was just in a tag team with uh, uh, Christian, and their thing was that they took ladders to their matches, which is where the matches with the Dudley Boys with the tables. Or no, 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 they took classic, no classic matches. They took the ch- no. You're thinking of the uh, Hardy Boys. I'm thinking of the Hardy, Hardy boys. boys with the ladders. Edge and Christian had the chairs. Uh, so when they had the matches with the Dudley Boys, the Dudley Boys had the tables. The Hardy Boys had the ladders, and Ed and Christian had the chairs. That's what you yes, get. Yes, the table. Classic, Tom, you're missing you're out missing on out the classic on table, ladders, and chairs, man. On the classics <laughs> of 90s wrestling. I know more about the Dudley Boys than I think I know about Foucault. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I could take Dudley Boys' knowledge out and probably, like, insert it with real knowledge, but that's probably not going to happen because I know too much about the Dudley Boys. Um, but then. Edge became the rated R superstar, so for a little bit he was almost oh. like a porn star, and then it just became that he was kind of like vaguely sexual and charismatic. So Tom, you were not that far off. Yeah, and uh, as I think Frank commented, uh, every single scene in this film felt like the close-on scene in the opening of a softcore porn like everything felt like the first five minutes of Spider Babe. Like <laughs> a, a a porn is about to happen, literally in every scene. There's pornography that's about to happen, and it just cuts right before the pornography happens. Justin, you need to laugh into the microphone when I say Spider Babe, so people can know that it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> that actually did, that did not register with me. I was thinking of Spider Baby, the Betty Davis movie. I'm calling it. The next episode, we're we're covering Spider Babe. <laughs> no, we should do Who's Nailing Palin. I'll say that. Uh, yeah, it's fucked. Uh, let's get back to Money <laughs> Plane. Let's get back to Money Plane. So this fucking movie opens with Edge and his band of, as Tom said, like UCB day players. But like the people, I've known people who've done like improv comedy and like they're, I'm sure that the people who are willing to pay for UCB, because I, I think UCB prices are, like, insane or whatever, I'm sure the people who are willing to pay to take classes at UCB are a better cal... Like, n- the lowest-tier UCB grunt is a better caliber of actor than his crew, than Edge's crew in here, which is made up of... McGillicuddy... We're guy we're going to call McGillicuddy because they call him that for the rest of the movie... Because he's pretending to be a guy named McGillicuddy, even though this actor is a black gentleman. Uh, we have sexy murder lady, who we are promised throughout the movie is both sexy and murderous. 
and that impulse comes to comes to bear in a scene. You get we'll what get you pay to. for. She is both sexy we'll and get murderous. To. Uh, yeah, and then we have writer director Andrew Lawrence, who is like in the beginning of this movie is is like coded as the nerd boy. Even though he like he does nothing successful or competently or nerdily, and then just murders a bunch of people like single handed. Yeah. Oh man, how do all these fancy electronic boxes work? Oh, I hate this job. I'm wearing tactical gear. This job sucks shit. Why did Why did he um Why did he un, um cut that banana yes. open with a okay. knife? Hang on. He didn't want to sensuously peel it back and then deep throat it. Because actually my wife and I paused and they were like, did he just cut the banana? Like, what did he just do? And so like we uh, now I have this confirmation that we did not hallucinate that during the course of this movie. Because we're like, (laughs) wait, did he just do that? Because he cuts a banana (laughs) with a knife and like peels it and like cuts it off like that. Instead yeah. of just doing what you do with a banana, which is you take your hand and you just peel it off like a normal person. I guess it's to show See, that he's like a badass or like, I. but I it, does, guess. it does not come off that way. It comes off very stupid. I bet you he meant it in the script. It's an apple and a badass cutting an apple, eating the apple off the thing. But then somebody brought, brought bananas and they didn't have <laughs> you, you, any more budget you th- left. You think the prop department was like, oh, fuck, we got bananas instead of apples. <laughs> yes, that sounds that sounds pretty much right. Um, so anyway, there's this fucked up heist. Edge and his buddies all get like We're not murdered, but like. Scene. In, in the first scene, like, if this was a better movie, one of these people would die. Like, there would be stakes where, like, a person got killed and the heist gone wrong. But no, they, like, they fuck up the heist. At how embarrassing this opening <laughs> scene was for everybody involved. It was embarrassing to be- watch. <laughs> it's a bit because they are playing it. Like the entire time, like every step of the way of this heist goes wrong. Um, and they are playing it like they themselves are like embarrassed to admit it to their own team members. I, and it's like you are not adults. <laughs> you are not adults stealing art. You are a wrestler. <laughs> you are you are, a, you are a professional wrestler who is in the Royal Rumble. Who, I, who can I will see you spear a guy on Monday Night Raw <laughs> tomorrow. But 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 he's trying to he's trying to play like calm and cool to the guy uh, sliding his card through. Yeah, and the the entire time it it feels like you get that feeling that it's like you're using your mom's card to buy something at a, a store because she's in the back yeah. and like something's going wrong and you're oh, looking shit. around oh, oh, for shit. for your mom. Come on, come here. I I will give uh, Adam Edge Copeland this. I think he knew what this was and he's selling it like throughout this movie. He's selling it kind of. And he, this is this again. I think this is real estate debt for him. I think this is a payday and he's, he's doing, I think he's doing okay. Like he's not good. He's bad in this movie, but he is, he is 
carrying this movie? Kind of, yeah. Or should I say dragging it? <laughs> well, well, we're about, but, we're, it, we're about to get to the wind dragging... beneath this film's sails. We're a scene away. <laughs> so, so they try to do the heist, but the 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 painting's not there. So they get into a a, a gunfight with the worst CG muzzle shots. <laughs> the CGI muzzle flashes. The, I saw the seat. What convinced me for to have us do this movie from the trailer was the CGI yeah. muzzle flashes and the CGI blood. I was like, we have to do it. Yeah. They didn't even have enough money to get real guns for the props. Yeah. There were toy guns that they had to add the animation on afterwards. See, but do you do you get what I mean? That it's like I I find that very endearing. Yes. I find this movie super endearing. Because the Lawrence brothers were handed a thing where they were some, you know, fucking Russian mobster. Uh, speaking of the, the Fraser episode we're about to talk about. Uh, <laughs> yeah, when, about know, in three hours. Yeah. Uh, uh, when it's you launder, like, fucking, you know, uh, caviar money, like uh, <laughs> illegal caviar shipment money into a thing. And they were like, hey, Andrew Lawrence, can you write this movie and put both of your brothers in it from the 90s? Uh, you know, who cares? You know, may, we can get Kelsey Grammer. Do you need a get? Your get is Kelsey Grammer. That's your big get. Write a movie around Kelsey Grammer. Um. So now, now we're yes. at we're at the house of one, uh, Cornelius Smudge the Third. No, 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 no. If you're gonna say the character's name, Thomas, you better get it right. What, the not- character's name is Darius Emmanuel Grouch III, <laughs> a.k.a. The Rumble. <laughs> a.k.a. The Rumble, okay? Darius Emmanuel Grouch III. That's and he- the stupidest character <laughs> And do you know why Kelsey Grammer is the greatest actor in human history? Because he says... Because he's... With, like, he full says conviction. that name. And he sells it. And he, <laughs> yes, he sells it. Kelsey Grammer sells it. Uh, Kelsey Grammer, sorry, my wife is in the background uh, doing things I should be doing, which is preparing for a move. Instead, I'm talking to these two men about money plane. Acknowledging uh, it doesn't make it better, Frank. <laughs> help your help your wife. It does to me. <laughs> Um, but this character's name is Darius Emmanuel Grouch III, a.k.a. The Rumble. So, as my wife and I were watching this movie, we were trying to figure out the logic of what Kelsey Grammer is saying in this scene. Because it's revealed that Edge, Edge's character, before he became, like, the best bank robber of all time, was also the best poker player of all time. And that he lost a hand big and, like, suddenly was deep in debt to the mafia. And that Kelsey Grammer then leveraged the mafia debt on top of the painting debt that he knew he couldn't repay to make him rob the money plane? 
Yeah. It, That's th- clear as day to me. Also, for some reason, but, he's a retired uh, Air Force officer, which explains why right. a, he can fly he a plane. He was special ops. Yes. But he was special ops because Thomas Jane has that line of like, huh, uh, let's, let's think about what happened in Brazil. And his daughter's like, what happened in Brazil? And he's like, huh, story for another time, <laughs> says Thomas Jane in this movie. Um, but, okay, Kelsey Grammer, why wouldn't you just stick to the fake painting heist? Why leverage his gambling debt? Because then if he just fucks yeah. you over, you just have that debt. You just bought the debt and he fucked you over. Why would you leverage the it's gambling because, debt? It's because uh, uh, Andy uh, Lawrence was tight, wrote the script. Then he thought, ah, oh, fuck. I forgot to put the money. Like, <laughs> I forgot to I, put the money part into the money plane. Uh, yeah, so I'll just like scribble that on the edge. That <laughs> Kelsey Grammer like just leverages gambling debt for no reason. Yeah, uh, that's because this film is basically threat level midnight, and uh, yeah, <laughs> yes, and and fucking uh, this whole, especially when Kelsey Grammer appears on screen, the whole thing feels like a fucking Thirty Rock cutaway bit <laughs> with an eighty-two minute runtime. Because he's he's doing the kind of acting he would do on Thirty Rock. Where he's yeah. like a heightened version of himself. Yeah. Kelsey Grammer knew what this movie was. Kelsey Grammer just has a beach house and rehab debt. <laughs> and also, my wife pointed out, his eyes are bloodshot through this entire movie. He was stoned. What knew we? Oh, man. He was completely stoned. So Kelsey Grammer sits him down and goes, well, Jack, you're a gambling man. You want to you bet on a guy fucking an alligator? <laughs> he says that. He says, do you want to bet on a guy fucking an what alligator? Does that and even I was actually disappointed. <laughs> do you bet that was, they're yeah, going to What are you betting you? on? That he dies fucking the alligator? Do you bet or how you long bet he lasts because it's a really hot yeah, alligator? You, you're, 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 you're betting on who comes first. <laughs> do you bet on that he comes inside the alligator before the alligator comes on him? <laughs> In which case, you have to acknowledge that it's a lady alligator. <laughs> you don't know that. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I mean, like, that, that, that's what gets played out. And the, the things we see of man versus animal on the money plane are way worse, and we'll get to it. Much less but tender. Mu- much less fun for the other person, <laughs> for the human being side, uh, <laughs> than fucking an alligator and, I guess, coming. Uh, faster. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I guess I guess you're right. Yeah. I guess I I guess I would rather fuck an alligator than get bitten by a snake. Justin, let's not go back to I your never... hat. I'm gonna I'm gonna use the hat as my sword of Damocles that I'm hanging over your head. Is this hat that I knew you bought? <laughs> And I could just oh, drop Jesus. it. I could just drop what that hat is. <laughs> um, so, so he, so he leverages Edge's gambling debt and says, "Hey, you didn't steal the painting. I told you you would steal." And Edge was like, "Well, the painting wasn't there." And he was like, "Well, too bad. I'm gonna put you and make you steal this money plane." Do you remember what he said about I- the painting that was stolen, which was called "Irreverent Duck"? He said. 
Rembrandt, Picasso, de Koenig, bunch of bitches. <laughs> yeah, he goes, Rembrandt, yeah. de Kooning, Picasso, bunch of bitches. And it's like Kelsey Grammer is taking that line to lunch. Kelsey Grammer is savoring it like he has not savored a thing in a while. Because he knows his beach house is paid for if he says Rembrandt, de Kooning, Picasso. <laughs> Bunch of bitches. I there think, are a couple of things where where Kelsey Grammer is seeing the check clear. I think and you can tell that he's enjoying it in his his THC infused cerebrum. Yes, he's imagining yes. or coke that he's finally moving past the character of Fraser Crane. That a bunch of high yes. society Niles Crane types are hearing him say these lines and they're like <gasps> clutching and, their pearls. And he, and yet, when he delivers these lines, it's just Frasier. Like, it's just Frasier torturing a guy, and it's just Frasier, like, calling William de Koenig and, and Pablo Picasso a bunch of bitches. And it's just Frasier pretending to be tough. Well, you know, no one ever called Pablo Picasso an asshole. And then we have that very tender scene of, of Denise Richards where she's getting her cameo money. Uh, just being like, baby, don't leave me for one last time or whatever she's saying. I feel it's like, like this footage came from some sort of like stock footage library they have of, of Denise Richards where she just read the dictionary and they're able to stitch it together using AI or something. Like. Yeah, they, they, they just like spliced in all of the footage from the Lifetime movies that she makes and just put it together. Uh yeah, so he gets the crew together, the crew, and he also, he has a visit from, in the middle of the night, Thomas Jane breaks into his house. Is and he drunk? Their best. Is he drunk? Their best. Are, I guess so. But like, are they best buds? Is that? Because it kind of. Yes, they are best buds because a line is said along the lines of, hey, you know how I'm your best friend. <laughs> Hey, like, remember when we were in the military and we're best friends? Hey, oh no, the line is, hey, you would, why would you say that to the the godfather of your daughter? Yes, hey, Tom Thomas Jane, I look fucking weird. This is John I don't look like myself. My nose is too big. Justin is getting to a very important point here. Thomas Jane could not decide on which accent he wanted to do for this movie, <laughs> yeah. and Thomas Jane is an American man. But Thomas Jane did like a Brooklyn accent. He did like a Southern accent for a little bit. He did like a uh, like a newsboy accent. He, he did an accent that could be best described as the Mucinex mucus blob. <laughs> yes. yes, but then he just also sort of sounds like Thomas Jane, who also, is like Middle America. He's totally there to nail Denise Richards, right? <laughs> he's like, Correct. he's showing oh, up at yeah. 3 a.m. drunk. He doesn't know what's happening. The Edge <laughs> hasn't told him yet, so. <laughs> and, and, and he is chewing, absolutely chewing on this Mirsha, this gigantic pipe. Yes, yeah, he has a pipe. <laughs> In that scene, he has this pipe just bouncing up and down from his mouth. So. All right, there's a scene, in, and it's, this is jumping way ahead, but this scene really fucking yes. bugged me because it was such a squandered opportunity. And it was like this yeah. thing where it was like, like you 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 think you know what's going to happen, and then you're like, oh, I know what they're up to. And then they 
anyway, so uh, uh, Kelsey Grammer, Cornelius Smudge, decides that he's going to kill Denise Richards and the little girl as revenge for the Edge not yielding the money plane. Darius Emanuel Grouch the third. The Rumble. Uh, the Rumble. And A.K.A. the Rumble. Because he registered the company under Rumble Ember Enterprises or whatever. Anyway, so... He sends his uh, uh, the Matrix black leather jacket clad hit squad to kill his family. <laughs> and there's the Who classic. Don't materialize for the end of the movie, which we'll get to. There's the classic build up scene where you've got the like the hitmen skulking through the bushes. And then you got him, you know, chopping some onions to make some dinner, chopping some green onions with a fortune fire knife to, to make dinner. Uh, and then they cut back yeah. to the hitmen. Then they cut to him chopping onions. And you think, oh, uh oh, uh oh, the hitmen are here to kill. The hitmen are here to kill. But no, because uh, Thomas Jane is a super slick, uh, retired, like, special operator in the U.S. Air Force. And he knows that Kelsey Grammer knows that the jig is up, that he snuck the family away to the safe house. And the hitmen are about to enter into an empty house where there's a bomb that says, nah, 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 you didn't say the magic word. And then it blows up and kills all the hitmen. And, like, they look really smart. Except, no, that didn't happen. You just no. have the shittiest gunfight where Thomas Jane is just shooting people from Thomas the toilet, Jane, you know? Thomas Jane is pointing... Thomas Jane is pointing a toy gun <laughs> at stuntmen, and you can tell he's not even doing the action that makes it look like he's firing. He's just pointing the gun this way. The, there's the CGI muzzle flash. The guy falls. And, like, it's literally just him going, Hey! Hey! <laughs> I think I think you hear him go pew pew through all the way. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, long story short, Edge and his crew get on the money plane by pretending that one Edge himself <laughs> is a notorious human trafficker that yes. was assassinated by sexy murder lady. I did enjoy that scene because they did a quick cutaway where it's like. Oh, you know, he's a notorious human trafficker, but we know what happened to him. Flash to sexy murder lady just shooting him in the dome. Which I feel like that, like, give me more. Give me, like, the scene of her, like, karate beating the shit out of this guy to death. Oh, yeah. L let me say, I think she did a, um, a great job. And, and oh, I'll she say was terrible. What are you talking about? Well, no, no. Well, okay. Okay, uh, you're right. <laughs> yeah, she's awful. I'll say, she was I'll say, in this I'll say, movie. all of her, her, all of her scenes were awful were... and bad, and made you feel bad. <laughs> no, <laughs> shut the fuck up. I liked when she gave the finger to the camera when she jumped out of the plane. <laughs> no, 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 no. There were three, um, legitimate, in my opinion, cool things in this movie. Okay. And they're all little action None of them bits. were Kelsey Grammer. None of them were Kelsey Grammer. I'm talking about, like, actual... Oh, well, that's that's neat. Ne um, one, she's in a one fight where she rips a dude's ears off. <laughs> oh, I, we were gonna get to it. Hey, we're, we're, we're getting to getting it now. To we've, we've talked for like a half hour about porn. <laughs> we can skip around. <laughs> we've been doing this for an hour and I want to go home. <laughs> this, this, this podcast is going to be longer than now? the film. <laughs> I'm at yeah. my home. 
Where are you now? I want to I wanna smoke weed, Frank, all right? Where are you now that you can't do that? I'm recording a podcast! You can smoke weed. I'm not stopping you. Anyway, anyway. And then there's another scene where she sm- uh, uh, smashes multiple bottles over a dude's head and then, like, fucking, like... Shoves it. Stabs the she, shit out she, of She, like, shoves and the then, broken bottle into the top of the head. And then stabs him in the top of the fucking head. Yeah. And it's like, what are, where's this coming from? It's pretty legit. Give me some more of this movie. This is... And, I mean, you're, you compare those fight scenes to the Edge's single fight scene, a professional wrestler, where he's fighting a giant man who is a co-pilot tiny who, room. who is a pilot. By the way, they're not trained in martial arts. They're trained to turn a plane on. <laughs> And make sure that the computer makes the plane go a certain way. So, so they like get into the cockpit and he like kills the one pilot. And then he's like, what? A co-pilot? <laughs> These people are the worst. And the co-pilot is a, a, the Incredible Hulk. The co- yes. The co-pilot is this huge dude. I thought who it was Dolph has a, like Has a Peter Griffin and the chicken... style fight scene with the edge where the co-pilot comes back like three times from certain deaths it's it's very funny and and he's like covered in blood yes you cannot stress enough how funny it is to see two giant men in such a tiny space going at it. And the guy, like, he keeps doing the, like, prof- he, the guy, to his credit, is doing, like, professional wrestling acting yeah. where he's already like, huh, huh, huh. And he's, like, standing up all woozy and he's covered in fake blood. And Edge is doing the, the pro wrestler thing when they're, like, taking a breather and they have to hear it from the crowd and he's going (laughs) and the guy like like three times he lurches up covered in blood like (laughs) and he he just gets beaten to death in this cockpit the scene is minutes long it's one of the longest scenes in the movie it's it's very funny it is like a Jerry Lewis bit so I, I'm a really big fan of the Smithsonian Channel and a really big fan of the show Air Disasters, where uh, they take famous air disasters and they recreate them using like Microsoft Flight Simulator and like a series of like staged cockpits, and then they hire actors, no matter where the actual pilots came from, who reenact it. And I am a hundred percent sure. That the same studio that the Smithsonian goes to to recreate these human tragedies was was employed in the filming of this feature, and in particular mm-hmm. this cockpit scene uh, of this mysterious <laughs> gigantic airplane. Yes, so that scene happens. It's hilarious. It's really cool, and that because it, but it happens after Edge plays a big hand in his card game and loses which is like his like backstory is he owes this gambling debt that for some reason Kelsey Kelsey Grammer leverages that he loses 
So he intentionally loses the hand so that the black guy who's in the team, who we are now calling McGillicuddy, uh, can take his place in the gambling, not knowing that the gambling is only normal the first time. The gambling afterwards, which, by the way, the fellow gamblers on the plane, incredible, these terrible actors, uh, including the guy who is interrogating Edge for being this supposed human trafficker, and he's like, I, I sold my first nuke before I turned 27. I grew up running guns in my no, no, holler. No, no his, his exact line was, I sold my first gun before I lost my virginity last week. <laughs> was the- yes. <laughs> Guys, but this guy is really giving Edge the business about him being a human trafficker. Yeah, they get into this little ethical tiff about like who's the worst guy, and it's like you could potentially destroy the world with the things you're selling to people, which I think, on the whole, is a greater visitation of suffering than human trafficking. But here's here's what I appreciate about this movie. On top of it being like a shitty movie. I also don't think, and why why I enjoyed it so much, I think pretty much there isn't really anything racist or homophobic. The McGillicuddy or, or stuff is, truly, is, is fairly racist. I don't think so. I don't think so. They have one line where, like, the Texan's, like, questioning him about his name. Oh, we'll get and then to the at Texan. the end of it, the, the Texan is like, yeah, good Irish boy or something. Yes. It's like, but like, as opposed to something like other bad movies like The Room or something, which, I mean, that's a, that's a kind of fucked, fucked up movie, you know? Correct. And this felt, this felt really nice for being it a felt- terrible I, Yeah, for being like a, a, a terrible, like, like, shit tier action movie <laughs> that wasn't like really fucked up and it doesn't make you feel bad you know what i mean we do have the uh sort of if they had gotten a more well-known actor this would have come across better but like the black widow asian lady rich person mm-hmm. kind of but, like, they don't lean into it because they, they lean into all these stereotypes except for the the crooked arms dealer who... I don't even really know how to describe the arms dealer guy. He's got the, the George Clooney in the 1996 haircut. Mm-hmm. The Caesar haircut. And he's got a gold chain. And his associate is a, a, a Guido-esque man... Who is sexually assaulting a murder yes. lady for yes. pretty much the entire he is, movie? He is somebody's younger brother who they put a fake mustache on. Oh, by the way, the mustache is beautiful. so many fucking mustaches, <laughs> and they're everywhere. All fake. They're all fake. All fake mustaches. There are literally like five. Yes, all fake. It's mustaches. crazy. So Edge goes to the front of the plane after losing the hand. He gets McGillicuddy to play. Hit the future games with him under the assumption that it would just be normal gambling. Mm-hmm. And uh, Joey Lawrence, the older brother, is like this concierge. His haircut is dog shit. Did you guys notice his haircut? Yeah. It's pretty bad. They like cut his hair into a perfect triangle. 
mm-hmm. on his head. And I think they did it to make him look almost like a robot or something. Like, I think it's implied that he's, like, kind of an android who's just, like, straight up killing people who cheat. They So Edge is piloting the plane, as per his want, and he is now having Skype sessions with Kelsey Grammer. Kelsey Grammer is making him call... Uh, I- so Kelsey Grammer's like, uh, we need to come up with a code name, and, uh, you know, I think I should be... The colonel and and what what was your what was your rank in the military? Son, he goes. I was a captain. He goes. I guess then that would make me the colonel, and you're the captain. Use the code name, and he's like torturing a guy, like fake torturing a guy, and he goes, "Don't pay you." So he's he starts telling the guy not to piss himself. My my favorite part of that scene was Kelsey Grammer's uh, 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 fucking around with Edge. And he says, uh, when they're still just like talking, uh, uh, put that camera up <laughs> that, that I gave you. And so Edge puts the camera up and now they're Skyping. And then Kelsey Grammer says like a badass, we're always watching you. <laughs> you just made him set up the camera. <laughs> what are you talking you about? You would not have been watching him if you did not make him turn on the camera. Yeah, I'll take the you camera. Were, I'll put the camera off. By definition, you weren't watching him. You weren't watching him. So we get to uh, this this gentleman, McGillicuddy, uh, assuming that he's going to be gambling like blackjack or craps or something, but the games become like pseudo horror movie fucked up games. So we start mm. with uh, McGillicuddy, who we're calling McGillicuddy, playing Russian roulette with uh, the Matthew Lawrence character, uh, Boy Meets World favorite, Sean's brother, Matthew Lawrence, playing the cowboy. I like this and scene. He is, I thought this was funny. I like it too. <laughs> He's doing some Yosemite <laughs> Sam shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it felt like uh, uh, like a mid-tier birthday boy sketch <laughs> it like it had full-on sketch energy big sketch energy they were yeah. doing a sketch because the way that it, especially the way that it ends when he so spoiler alert they do the russian roulette there's no tension because this was not made by actual filmmakers and the cowboy as played by matthew lawrence takes the gun to his head i think he literally says yeehaw pulls the trigger and blows his brains out, but it's CGI blood and it's a CGI muzzle flash and he falls over and his legs swing up into the frame and his legs start twitching like a cartoon. And you're like, oh, okay, so that's what this movie is. It's like sub uh, Sharknado levels of self-aware parody. This guy who's doing like, literally doing a Yosemite Sam impression as this Texan character. Uh, and then the next round of betting is the McGillicuddy character gets handed an iPad, as does everyone else on the plane. And they're being told to guess a number of seconds, and they don't know why. And they open up the iPad, and it's a dude being like bit to death by a King Cobra. And you have to guess how long it takes for the dude to die. And it's one of those things where it's like, this movie gets kind of like, in a better movie, this would be more gnarly, but also it feels 
worse in this movie somehow because it doesn't earn it. And he's like increasingly becoming the best guy at guessing the time period for snuff films. And there's a bit of acting where he like becomes disgusted with himself and goes to the bathroom to puke or pretend to puke because he's like, Ugh! I'm, I'm, I'm too good at, at guessing snuff film. Uh, meanwhile, uh, sexy murder lady is being sexually assaulted multiple times yeah, in the lead up to this mustachioed arm dealer brother-in-law guy is following her into the the bowels of the airplane as she tries to find the uh, the, the money cachet and, and the safe. Uh, and this is where she has her great uh, ear-ripping fight with the uh, attendant. And notice how all of her fights include a sexual oh, the component. <laughs> oh yes, no, you're right. This is the ear-ripping. Because it's like, why did this guy deserve the ear-ripping and not the other guy? It's just like all of her fights start like, oh, well, I'm not supposed to be here. Well, let me just show you my titas and then yes. I kill you. <laughs> yes. And so she in this fight scene, they have another one of those like, huh, huh, fight scenes. And then she does a move wherein she like gets both of her hands as the guy is like this. And she goes, ha. And, like, rips the dude's ears off from his skull like that with both of her hands. And in a better movie, it would be cooler There were this There happened. were a few moments in this film where I, I watched it at, like, 1 a.m. where I loudly cackled. <laughs> and this was one of them. Yeah, I would not say anything in this movie was uh, executed well. No, no. Because, like, but, the but, moment a lady goes, ha, and, like, chops a guy's ears off with her bare hands, you should be like, yeah, and this did not do that. I may have been, I may have been clapping. for me. <laughs> well, I guess I just have higher standards than you two. <laughs> I, I think I have been softening in my older age. I think I like things more. That's crazy to just me because you, you hate most things. I do, but I think I just like things more. Like I, I truly felt not. I don't think any of the like name actors in this had a good time. I don't think anybody really had a good time while Kelsey, making this. Kelsey Grammer had a good time. Mm, as much of a good time as that freaking Kelsey Grammer had <laughs> a good. Kelsey Grammer had a good time because like his cottage is paid off now. But there was yeah. there was no broccoli, if you know what I mean. To, to to gloss over the rest of this movie, what happens is they figure out a way. They figure out a way to uh, and so in the middle of this fight of where she chops the dude's ears off with her bare hands, she fucks up the like the the USB servers where all the crypto is, and so they have to like download all the shit manually. Sure, or some nonsense. Sure, why not? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Or whatever, the, whatever they're talking about. So they, <laughs> it's the funniest thing. Like my wife and I looked at each other. We're like, what? They're like, well, what if we just reroute all of these funds to <laughs> nonprofits that are affected <laughs> yes. by the people who have been victimized by money playing? Yeah. And it's like. How would you ever determine that in the two seconds that it's taking for you yeah. to do it? How 
how have you pinpointed it's as if the non-profits it's as if the the tech guy in his special like techie black and white hacker ios graphic interface just hit the donate to charity button and it was all yeah. done yeah, you know yeah. What what, I mean? like which charities who is who are you funneling it to there are going to be inquiries because that income is not legal like the irs is going well, no they they they, they, they uh, edge specifically mentions unicef and uh victims in syria yeah yeah unicef so which expect a lawsuit yeah. from unicef edge uh yeah i was gonna say unicef is gonna fucking come knocking because they're like hey Please don't give us all of this illegal money from snuff films. Yeah. We really don't want snuff film money because our whole thing is children. Well, they're also just throwing bricks of money out the window. So, okay. Yeah, they, so they're just they, tossing the money. They're they, literally tossing the money out of the money plane onto people. Just they random people. The hatch on an airplane at altitude, which would cause said plane to uh, crash. And, uh, they do that. And it would also they, cause everyone inside of it to die. They turn right? on they you, turn on a single room fan. They turn on a single box fan to simulate the air currents. <laughs> yeah. You but know I was going to say, like, that level of decompression for that amount of time, it would just kill everyone, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Like, they would have to be in free fall toward a lower... So, like, it would just be like... Like, everything would just get sucked out. It would be crazy. Everyone, but, everyone would die. Everyone would die. So instead, what we had was kind of like a final call, roll call of the cast of the film, where they go up to the door and they're like, Hey, I'm McGillicuddy. Ha ha ha. I was a double agent. Goodbye, Kelsey Grammer. And he jumps out. And my favorite was Murder Lady, who goes up to the door of the airplane to jump out and goes, Ha ha, double middle fingers. (laughs) And jumps out the window. She does do that. But not before we get... The scene in which Edge, on a phone call recording to uh, Darius Emmanuel Grouch III, a.k.a. the Rumble, uh, sets up our dear Kelsey Grammer and uh, over the phone gets Kelsey Grammer's character to admit that he had sicked Edge on the money plane so that he could steal the money plane. And the guys on the money plane start going like, oh, well, let's start taking bets on how long it will take Kelsey Grammer to live. But there's no, like, scene in which you see the the information go from the money plane exactly. to the, the people who the money plane employs on the ground to send. Why would that yeah. come instantaneously? Because two seconds later, Kelsey Kramer is in this patio in Florida or wherever they <laughs> shot it. And his like number two, who's this big guy, comes up and goes, I'm getting out. This is getting too fucked up. And he goes, well, then give me your gun <laughs> and takes the guy's gun and shoots him in the head. And then he takes. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. He says, he says, wait here. And then he runs off screen and comes back with his own gun. <laughs> <laughs> your yeah. way's better. Yeah. Your way, your way makes sense. <laughs> His way, no. And then Kelsey Grammer gets out a machine gun as these yes. goons start encircling him, and we see Kelsey Grammer take the machine gun, pointed at nothing, 
Because the scenes yeah. where the goons are coming in are shot on a different set than yeah. where Kelsey Grammer is. And so we see Kelsey Grammer go, ah! <laughs> into nothing, and it cuts to black. A la Scarface. And that is the end of Kelsey... This is the end of Kelsey Grammer in this movie, which we don't see. And my wife pointed out, we don't see Kelsey Grammer die, which means we're setting up for Money Plane 2, The Rumble Returns. <laughs> this film is equal parts The Room and MacGruber. Like, <laughs> yes, if MacGruber was unintentional. Like, exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So we cut Which is to remarkable the because MacGruber was made a full 15 years ago. <laughs> no shit. Are you serious? I am serious. I, th- I think I, I th- I'm pretty sure that's correct. <laughs> the passage of time is terrible. But the point is that the references and the tropes and the motifs are just yeah, yeah. that much more dated. And the fact that they're being employed. Uh, genuinely is 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 mind-boggling, yeah. you know. Yeah, dear God, don't get old, folks. <laughs> Meanwhile, with the half hour we have left, let's wrap up this fucking money plate movie and try to talk about a Frasier. Uh, so at the end of the movie, Edge is playing with Denise Richards in the other scene with the cameo appearance <laughs> funny that she got, and they're playing with a dog. And it it's nothing. It it's literally over. nothing. Like the last like moment of the film is literally Denise Richards phoning in, acting, enjoying the presence of a dog. She's just sort of like that, uh, okay. so th- I, I I looked over at Alex, my wife, and I said, like, I think they were just happy that they got to play with a dog that day. <laughs> like they're ch- they were Did they have a dog before? <laughs> no. <laughs> they didn't. No. So in the plot, did a dog just show? Did a dog just run? A dog up? just came up and happened. And and he and and Andrew what whatever his name is said that's it. Andrew Lawrence. And then to my movie. <laughs> Maybe the dog is the reincarnated Maybe. spirit of one Cornelius <laughs> C. Smudge, aka Darius Emanuel Grouch the Third, aka the Rumble. I will not have you disrespect the Kelsey Grammer character again. Okay. I, there are three Kelsey Grammer characters that exist. It's this guy, Fraser Crane, and Gary the Rat. And also uh, his character on Boss, where he was the mayor of Chicago or whatever the fuck that, mo- that show was about. Well, I had fun with this movie, Did but you? I hate you for making me watch it. Why? So I think- you enjoyed it. <laughs> I enjoyed it, but I could have enjoyed a much better film well, at the we'll, same time we'll that I was that watching for, that. We'll plan that for next time. We'll plan the actual good movie. This was my right. constant request. To be clear, I have been requesting Money Plane for an entire calendar year. Because this movie came That's out a year true. ago, and I said we should do it. And I think Justin was the kibosh who was like, no, we're not doing Money Plane. And just refused to do it. Well, you got married, and this is my only gift to you. <laughs> You're literally your only gift, because you wouldn't even do me the kindness of <laughs> buying the two hundred dollar lightsaber for yourself. In which case, in which, in lieu of which, you bought a, a racially insensitive hat. And no, no, you can't say that. 
You can't say that because I bought it at Epcot. Epcot was selling it. I, everybody else was wearing them. You would rather go to Florida and catch COVID than go to Frank's wedding. <laughs> <laughs> and, buy, and buy a racist hat. <laughs> you, you, COVID was caught by some amount of people that I'm not allowed to say. And you bought a racist hat. <laughs> And then I had to watch Money Play. <laughs> and then so you thanks. had to watch Money Play. Thanks it's for just, getting married, it's Frank. Just joke-like misery just being heaped on Justin unintentionally <laughs> in the last month and a half. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Anyway. Anyway, as I was going through this life story of mine, I saw, yes. as if in a vision, Mm-hmm. A very large head. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. A quite large what, what head. Kind, like an like a like an Easter Island f- motherfucker. Uh, a little bit like an Easter Island head. Jesus, that's a big fucking head. And it was it was a head that said, "This sitcom is past its prime." Oh, this sitcom is doing wait. bad episodes of television. Uh-oh. <laughs> we'll, we'll have a discussion about that. Wait, are you talking about Dr. Fraser Crane? Did all the things that Frank did. Boogie Boogie Caviar. Season 10 episodes suck it. Mother fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what the episode is called. <laughs> The I'm episode sure is called. Is. And actually, this is how old. This is how like relatively recent this episode is. Fraser is from. It's called Road to Perdition, which means it came out after the movie Road to Perdition from 2004. I appreciated that. Uh, yeah, that's that's crazy. So we are in like the second to last season of Fraser, where this is season ten. Fraser ends in season eleven, like. The show is kind of in a weird spot at this point. It's running on fumes a little bit, I think. I, I think it's be. They don't have um, since they're nearing the end. The there's not uh, as much character development or emotional stuff. So you get an episode like this, which is pure high concept. F- uh, zaniness, silliness, yeah. Which, which you don't get as you. Frazier generally has uh, a lot more heart or just character stuff, uh, 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 intelligence about the characters and who they are. And what yeah. struck me about this episode is I think it was written by people who didn't know the characters. I. I suppose, but I still argue, because this was one of my favorite episodes, um, but watching it this time, it wasn't as fun, um, but I still think the construction of it is a perfect episode, and by perfect, I don't necessarily mean uh, good or bad, but like perfectly constructed. And and the the side plot with with Daphne and and Martin I think is one of the silliest and funnest it's, that they get. It's fucking stupid. It's like a very 
early 2000s parody of like, oh, this modern life that we've built where everything's too complicated, including banking. See, it's funny because I was actually going to say that I felt like that the B plot was something that we could all relate to really heavily from the inside baseball yes. side. That, like, even though that it was lampooning that that culture, that we identifying as the bank staff members who had to keep uh, shoveling the problem, <laughs> actually, to keep turfing yeah. the problem to mm. a higher level of management, who were equally as inept in the situation, was something supremely yeah. relatable to us. Um, Actually, yes, accurate, accurate to our experience in a customer service scenario. But I will say that the thing of like the parody of like what it's like to be like on the phone with an automated service or whatever. That was like a fucking cat. I'm like, they had that technology back in 2003. Like, yeah, they they Mm. had it. Yeah, that was I think the idea was that it was new. So Martin accidentally draws $40 more like the ATM gives him $40 more than he intended to draw from his bank account and he continually tries to put the money back as Frazier and Niles are dealing with their illegal beluga caviar uh, scenario in which they invite all of their fancy friends over for dinner and promise them ounces of illegal beluga caviar uh, and like basically form their own sort of little black market around that. This episode um, not introduces, but uses and utilizes mm-hmm. one of my favorite late season Fraser character ads, which is is almost like a uh, high rule village shopkeep type character, which is the very snooty French uh, 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 specialty um, store owner. Yeah, uh, and he's a recurring character. It's a, they were going to make him a thing. He and is a recurring character. And uh, and he has a great speech where they're like a hundred hundred dollars per ounce of this row. And he's like, yes, but do you think that the fish who sacrificed their lives, uh, uh, do you think it is a fair price to ask of them, uh, etc.? There is a moment that crystallized for me that this show was in its late period, and that its writers no longer understood its characters. And that is the terrible monologue they give to Daphne. Where she goes, Oh, me cousin, he came back from the something something. And like, they're all saying through this monologue and like letting her jaw about her cousin and not listening. Okay, so I kind of liked that because like it had some of the best face acting that I can remember from the series where they had that silent moment where they all just face acted at each other. Like, do we engage? Let's not engage. Don't fucking engage. And then finally Niles is like, Uh fine, I'll ask. But to, but to me, what it said was that the people who were running at the time did not understand the gap that Daphne as a character had undergone 10 years of character development. Between where she started in the show and where she was at that point. I don't think her character would have dropped that aspect of her character. She kind I, of I, I think did, that's a, though. I, 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 I don't buy that. I think that's horseshit. <laughs> yeah, fuck you, Frank. No, she kind of did. She's, she becomes a more mature person. Yeah, but she's still filled with all the From old like Mancunian folk. 
Yeah. Yeah, but they, they ceased to treat her In like... fact, they introduced the actual brothers to the show in late season. We they do. What are you Manchester fucking talking City. about, Frank? No. We but, hate Everton, but they, <laughs> but they don't, like, the, the surrounding characters of the show no longer treat her like she's like a fucking lunatic. No, they, the they, 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 they treat her scene. as if she's uh, become morbidly obese but are completely blind to it. Uh, oh, I know, like, when she becomes, when, uh, uh, whatever her name is, who plays Daphne, actually gets pregnant. And they were like, oh, Jane, she has to go to uh, fat camp. Jane leaves. Yeah. When Jane leaves back, become preg- becomes, yeah, they were like, oh, the Daphne character has to go to fat camp. That was one of the worst storylines in the history of the show. I, uh... Do it, Justin. I liked it. <laughs> Stand up to him. Do you disagree? I disagree. I, I, I... Not not necessarily that that I liked it, but I thought... This is interesting. I've not seen this before. Like... If, if we're just going to have, like, a, a conversation about the, the television program Frasier, like, as a general thing, I actually really, I haven't watched it in years, but I really did enjoy that arc of, of Niles having Daphne up on a pedestal mm. and, like, all of his, all so, of his shit. So my question like, is, I, I'm sure they to- didn't... Ha- did you want to see Ben Stiller in heavyweights roll up to Fraser's apartment in Seattle and like train Daphne down? Is that is that where we're going? No, 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 no. Because that's no, no, the no. logical endpoint of what they were doing. I mean, yes, I would. Because heavyweights is a goddamn classic. There's a there's a line that made me laugh uh, when they're having the party. And uh, one of the guests is like, oh, you have such a wonderful party. Um, and Frazier's like, yeah, normally something's gone wrong by this point. And they're like, ah, oh, you're kidding. He's like, no, normally something's on fire. And it's true. That, that is a great line. That actually uh, uh, made my wife laugh when we watched it. Cause she was like, it's so true to the show. It's like, at this point in Frazier's dinner party life. Something's and that's why the previous scene we were discussing is true to the show, but also shows character growth in that Daphne's not just saying one of her stories. It's the rest of them understanding that this aspect of Daphne and them deciding, are we going to go into it or not? Versus in previous seasons, she would say like, oh, my cousin, Albany. Tom, you want to take that that impression further? Oh, of course. Nice eating his yeah, mouthful of gold. <laughs> Tom, Tom's just eating Cheez-Its. So, yeah, I liked it because it was a little subtle because she left a lot of, like, hanging, hanging fastballs for them to whack out of the park. Like, the fact that Winston Churchill mm-hmm. was the one who left the, uh, the money for the, <laughs> yes. the kid's loose tooth. Like, I thought it was good. I thought it was rather meta. That like it, it was playing with uh, what they so I think it was the opposite of what you're saying, Frank. I think it was people who were mm. very observant about the character development through the years. So uh, the, the the resolution to the Fraser plot is they end up on so they promise too much of the illegal beluga caviar 
to their friends in their social circle than they can cover because the dude that they are getting the caviar from for like way under market price decides that there's too much heat on him and he doesn't want to get fucking kneecapped by the Russian mafia or whatever. So Frazier and Niles go on the boat where the shipment is and go to the people who are like the intermediaries to the Russian mobsters. And as they're negotiating for the caviar, customs, U.S. customs comes uh, into the harbor. And so the Russian dudes run out and Fraser and Niles are like, well, what are we going to do with all this merchandise? And they start shoveling the caviar into their faces and it looks disgusting. Whatever yes. they're uh, doing. Especially when they start scraping it off in this time of COVID. Yeah. I I legitimately got queasy watching yeah. that scene. It was pretty gross. I found it revolting. Also, in this time and of the, COVID, the, I had the opposite reaction where I'm like, uh, let me let me let me lick your fingers, Kelsey Grammer. Let me let me let me lick yeah. where that broccoli's yeah. been, Kelsey Grammer. Where oh he's God, Christ. Christ. Jesus. Um, I the, am I so, am the Rumble. <laughs> Darius Emmanuel Grouch the Third. You got to say the full name. Uh, but the, the customs officer comes aboard, and they're ready to give up the like tons of caviar that are in front of them. And the custom officer is like, "Ah, no, we were here for the illegal DVDs." Yeah, illegal DVDs. That was a big problem in 2003. Remember all those illegal yeah, were, DVDs? Yeah, that's what the first uh, Fast and Fast the Furious movie. They're about. stealing <laughs> DVDs in that first movie, and then by the sixth movie, they're secret agents. <laughs> By by literally the uh, eighth or ninth movie, they're in space. <laughs> they're in space. Yeah. They they went they went from <laughs> DVDs uh, thieves to they're in space now. <laughs> anyway, I'm anyway, I, episode of Frasier. Bad episode. Made me dislike this period of the show. Made me sad. Uh, it felt like the show was in decline. Uh, I felt depressed. Much less happy than when I was watching Money Plane bad episode thumbs down <laughs> unlike the thing that i'm gonna recommend that we do for the next time we do this podcast it's not for what what is it's that a, it's a movie uh, and it's a movie called masterminds and we're gonna talk about it maybe <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a movie where patrick stewart plays a terrorist who takes over a school that sounds bad <laughs> it's pretty awesome I don't trust you. <laughs> Let's do recommendations. Uh, I would like to recommend. Yeah, you first. <laughs> you first. D- don't recommend my wedding that you didn't go to and then didn't <laughs> buy the lightsaber. That would have been the bomb that soothed the wound if you had spent the $200 on the lightsaber so that I can look at you wielding the lightsaber. Instead, you bought a racist hat. Jesus Christ, it's not a racist hat. I got it in where, Epcot. All where the it, people were where wearing to the work. Epcot hat. You are ra- Show no, me the racist. hat right no. now. Show I'll, me the I'll hat right now. Later. Anyway, I would like to Post recommend... Post a picture of yourself wearing uh, the hat to not, our Instagram. <laughs> I would like to recommend a few things. First of all, 
don't get COVID. Uh, this uh, Delta Downing. variant out there is, uh, like it sucks. is a motherfucker. Yeah. Get a vaccination. Get the boosters whenever they come out. Is Wear masks. Fully, everyone's fully vaccinated uh, on this podcast, right? This pandemic is not done. Not over. So I would like to recommend also, while I was in uh, COVID camp or whatever, um, the Netflix uh, uh, trilogy of films, uh, the Fear Street Saga, which were um, a, like a revelation to me. I did not go in expecting uh, too much. It looked the trailers looked cool, and I what they were able to create, um, I think was really a, a wonderful, super fun. Uh, story uh, that plays with all of the uh, the slasher tropes and um, like witch tropes and is able to really tie it all together in a really cohesive and fun way while also telling a really great like surprisingly really great uh, emotional uh, story, and and getting more queer horror movie uh, uh, stories out there is always awesome. So that's the the Sh- uh, Fear Street trilogy uh, on Netflix. I highly recommend. Uh, yeah, I was interested in checking those out. Although I have heard you cut, you have to watch all three. Like they function better if you watch. You have to, oh, you, you oh, have one, to watch the three of them. It's it's a three part movie. Yeah, meaning like it's 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 a single story, kind of. They they play around with that in a in a really fun way. Um, but it was initially, and I'm really bummed because uh, fuck COVID. Uh, they released it uh, uh, once a week for three weeks. Originally, the idea was it was going to be in the theaters, and like every three months, the next part was going to come out, and that would have right. been so fucking cool. Would have been better. But yeah. COVID sucks. I, uh, you know, I came back to the movies. I went my first. So the last movie I saw before the world fell apart and COVID happened was uh, Uncut Gems in January of 2020. And that was an incredible motion picture, a personal favorite of mine going forward, I think. You know, I will always treasure that film. The first movie I saw in theaters coming back from that experience was uh, when I went to the movies last week and I saw the new Nicolas Cage film Pig, wherein Nicolas Cage plays a former sort of... a Portland, Oregon, uh, like star chef who becomes a recluse truffle forager who has a truffle pig and he has a sort of a vague tragedy in his life that you learn about that, you know, the thing that forces him to become a recluse and one day his sort of sanctity and his uh, hermitage is disrupted where uh, his pig is kidnapped and he goes on a journey to uh, go to the places of his former life in the Portland food scene 
to reclaim his truffle pig. And it is not, as the marketing suggests, Nicolas Cage, John Wick's a guy over a pig. It is a very, very sad movie about loneliness and isolation and the things that separate people from the world. And it is one hell of a motion picture, and you should all see it. And the other thing I'm going to recommend is an old comical book that Justin might have already picked up because its first issue came out and it's written by Grant Morrison. It's uh, Superman and the Authority. No. Uh, Grant Morrison just came out with this. It's basically his whole thing is like, what if Superman was way older and like he was young in the 1960s and JFK was like, hey, man. I need you to like order the world around your superpower because we are in this age of two competing superpowers, the East and the West, the Cold War. And if I need you, I need you to take control because you're an alien and you're invulnerable. You're basically God. And what if the American government would like you to take control of things? So he takes that a little too seriously and basically becomes a fascist who initiates a new world order. Uh, it's a it's a cool comic. It's by Grant Morrison, one of the great writers in the history of all comics uh, that Justin really likes because he wrote a history of Santa Claus called Klaus. That's good. Yeah. Several, several follow-up comic. Uh, several one-offs. Several follow-up uh, comics and a Netflix movie. Mm-hmm. But that's what I'm going to recommend. I'm going to recommend uh, Pig, the Nicolas Cage movie. Also, David Lowry's The Green Knight, which a bunch of people have just seen this weekend. Cool movie. Go see it. Or hate it. Don't Or don't. I don't know. It's a crazy movie. A bunch of people are not going to like it. Uh, and uh, Superman and the Authority, written by Grant Morrison. Right on. Well, uh, rate us five uh, reviews on the... We've played lads since the... We, we got an email to do all of that um uh.